Good morning and welcome to this assembly. Please have your Bible ready. Colossians 3, chapter 17. And then after that, Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Colossians 3, 17 and Acts 2, 42. From time to time, for people who may be new here, for visitors, and a valuable review for each of us, I think it's good to open the New Testament to see what God expects of a local church. I want to stress in the very beginning, the New Testament is our source, our pattern. What other churches do is not our pattern. What is trending and popular in the religious world today is not our pattern. What churches of Christ in this country have done over many years is not our pattern. I begin with this premise, the New Testament is our source, our pattern to determine what God expects of a local church. And why do I say that? In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17, Paul wrote, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. When people first heard the gospel on that day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, what did they do after being baptized? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, there is this phrase, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, where would I find the apostles' teaching? In the New Testament. The New Testament is our source, our pattern. If in some part of the world today, the gospel was delivered, and let's say four or five people obeyed the gospel, and they set about to form a local church. What do they do? They would need to open the New Testament that they responded to in baptism. They need to open the New Testament and follow what Christ said local churches ought to do that's written in the New Testament. You know, you can't just make it up as you go along. You can't just imitate what others do. Paul said, whatever we do, do all in the name of the Lord. In our work here, we are to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, Having laid that down as a premise, there are two other passages I want to make reference to briefly, and then we'll move on and talk about what God has said local churches ought to do. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 16, I'll give you time to open there. 1 Timothy 5, 16, here's the context. Paul is describing to Timothy the obligation of the church to needy widows 
who don't have family to care for them. And he says that first responsibility belongs to the family of those widows, not the church. And therefore he makes a distinction between individuals and their responsibility and the local church and what the local church is charged to do. And he does it with such clear language. In 1 Timothy 5.16, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened, so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Now this shows us two things that are very important in the beginning of our study. The work of the local church has limitations. And two, there is a difference between individuals and their responsibility and the local church. There is then another distinction I should like to make, and that will take us to the book of Colossians in chapter 1. And again, I'll give the context while you're opening to that place. As an apostle of Christ, Paul is addressing the local church in Colossae. The epistle opens. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Now that's the local group of Christians in Colossae. Later in chapter 1, at verse 18, Paul talks about not just one group in Colossae, but all of God's people. They're included in the expression down in verse 18 as the body, <coughs> the church. Christ, it says, is the head of the body, the church. So all Christians, the universal church is what we sometimes say referenced in Colossians 1 verse 18, but in the beginning the reference is to the local group in Colossae. So these are important distinctions to make anytime we talk about the work of the local church. The work of the local church is limited, 1 Timothy 5 16, and we must always keep in mind there are local churches, but all of God's people are included in expressions like the whole church, the body in a universal sense. Now, as those matters are kept in mind, we get back into the New Testament to discover what God expects local churches to do. We must be devoted to the teachings of the apostles, we know that. The work of the local church is limited by what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 5.16, we know that. So what should a local church do? In response to that question, may I suggest to us that the question implies activity. What should a local church do? That's activity. We're not just going to exist or have a building or have a roll call or directory, that's not enough. We know from the instructions given by the apostles in the New Testament, we as a group must be active. 
We must do certain things. The work of the local church is the activity of the people together in the cause of Christ. We must do certain things. The question concerns specifically a local church activity, what the local church is to do. On many occasions, we address what individual Christians are to do in their daily lives. We sometimes deal with various relationships like marriage, individual acts of generosity and service, or parenting. But now we're interested in Christians as they have agreed to be a group, a team, or a local church. And it's activity, what the local church should do. Now focus on that word should a moment. Let me talk to you about that. There is a strong inclination, strong viewpoint in our modern religious culture that we, listen to this, should not use the word should. I heard that a few weeks ago. Did you hear that now? You should not use the word should. So the word should is used in connection with the prohibition to use it in our culture. And there is, you may have noticed, an emerging popular idea that you can just do anything you want and put God's name on it. There are people who claim to be religious who will say that. You just get together and decide whatever you want to do as a group, as an organization, and then just ask God to bless that work. Just do anything and put God's name on it. There is a distaste for following strictly the teachings of the Bible in our world today. Some believe it simply is not necessary to follow the teachings of the Bible. Others say you can follow the teachings of the Bible generally, but it's just really no big deal. So many churches today are built around human tradition, human creed, denominational activity, with little or no effort to do the things God has said local churches ought to do in the New Testament. The prevailing popular idea is... You could do it this way, or you could do it another way, or you could have this denominational creed book as your guide, or community churches do what they do, uh, or follow some human leaders. So what? Just do something. That's the religious climate of our day. But when we open this book, the question is, what does this book say local churches should do. Some believe it doesn't matter. Just get together as a group, do whatever you like, offer whatever uh, uh, ideas that you have to the crowd and change according to cultural interest. Don't worry about what the Bible says. We at Laurel Heights are concerned about what the Bible says. We are a church of Christ, not of men. And we are a church not of the culture not bound by tradition. We are governed by Jesus Christ and the teachings he gave in the New Testament. So for us, the question is, what should a local church do? And that's appropriate because of our conviction about the authority of Christ and his apostles. First, we need to be engaged in evangelism, preaching the gospel, 
Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8 commended a local church for doing this. He says they were sounding forth the word of the Lord. Now, while it is certainly true that every individual Christian should be speaking the truth to those you know who haven't obeyed the gospel, here we're talking about our collective work. So in our assemblies and gospel meetings like the one we had in print form through social media on our website, we are charged with the work of preaching the gospel of Christ. Edification of the saints. Providing for worship. That we're doing now, for example. Bible classes, assemblies like this. Attention given to the spiritual welfare of the members. Feeding members from the menu that's in the New Testament. We are charged to do that. Paul said to the local church in Corinth, Strive to excel in building up the church. And in some translations, the word is edifying. As a member of this church, you should expect that when you come to this place, there will be teaching from this book that will build you up, that will inform you, motivate you, correct your error, lead you to the truth and keep you there and urge you to remain faithful to God evangelism, edification. Then on those occasions where the need arises, benevolence for needy saints. In Romans 15, 25 to 26, we read, But now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints who are in Jerusalem. You know, this just isn't complicated, is it? A certain contribution for the poor saints who are in Jerusalem. And this passage has a parallel over in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Assistance for needy Christians. If they have families, families can take care of that. We discovered that in 1 Timothy 5, 16. But when there is a need among the saints that families cannot take care of, churches can step in and provide relief. When Christians form a group, a local church, they should bring to that collective activity the same commitment they have in life to abide in the teachings of the apostles as given for local churches. Can you imagine someone saying something like this? Well... When I was baptized, I made my commitment to abide in the teachings of Christ. But here in the local church, I'll go along with anything anybody comes up with. See, that's inconsistent. When Christians form a group, a local church, become a part of a local group, they should bring to that collective activity the same commitment they have in life to abide in the teachings of the apostles as given for local churches. What should a local church do? Evangelism, edification, 
benevolence for needy saints. Now, take a New Testament and read it. And as you read through the New Testament, every time you find a local church engaged in some activity as directed by the apostles, write that down and see what you come up with. When you finish, you have the answers to the question, what should a local church do? Don't be distracted by simplicity. Don't try to overcomplicate it. You don't have to buy into one man's argument against another or rely on things you've heard preachers debate about. What other churches do, I stress again, isn't our guide. Start fresh. If you need to, the question is, what should a local church do? To find the answer, open your New Testament and read it. Every time you find a local church engaged in some activity directed by the apostles, write it down and you've got your answer right there before you. You know what, you know what you're doing in that process? You're letting God tell you what local churches ought to be doing. Now, if I'm way off about this, if I'm just dead wrong about this, don't let me live the rest of my life in ignorance. If there's something else people need to know or read, if there's something in addition to the New Testament, well, we need to talk about that. Because the New Testament, we discovered early in this study this morning, is our guide. Unless and until I'm presented with evidence to the contrary, this is my conviction about the sufficiency and the authority of the apostolic pattern. What should a local church do? Read the New Testament and write down whatever it says that local churches did as directed by the apostles. And that's your answer. Why is this so important? Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There is a commitment to be made when you obey the gospel. That commitment is to place your life under divine authority, read what Christ and the apostles reveal, and get yourself engaged accordingly. Are you engaged? Are you a part of a local church where the authority of Scripture has found a central place? What should you be doing as a part of that? You should be involved with others. You are working and worshiping under the authority of Christ when you comply with what His authority has revealed. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. If genuine commitment to God requires some public response on your part this morning, we invite that response while we stand together to sing.